You're listening to Radio Tab's Mobile Rolling. Presented by Garrard's Horse and Hound. Making shopping easier with their online store. The same extensive catalogue, the same keen prices online or over the phone. 1-800-060-896 or visit horseandhound.com.au. Hugo going well, needs racetrack to work with. He's starting to open up. Who wants to be a storm chaser? The lost storm going for it right here, right now. 27-1 and he's exploded away at the top of the lane. Margin 25 metres. Whisper a secret, runs to second. Deeper out, Doug's platter. Regazzo Ditilli, then naturally gifted. The derby is all over. It's going back to Victoria. The lost storm, the favourite has made a one-act affair of it and it's a blitz. The Lost Storm, Whisper a Secret, Doug's Platter, a road of four. Terrific call by Chris, the Lost Storm there. And he's one of the favourites for the Tab Eureka. We're getting close to this, aren't we, on the 2nd of September. Leap to Fame's $2, Catchaway 4, Captain Ravishing 5, and the Lost Storm at 6. And the reason I mentioned it, Chris, John Singleton, of course, selling all a lot of his racing stock and breeding stock and his property next week or next month. The Magic Millions are going to host the auction, but he's got a slot, hasn't he, in the tab, Eureka, John Singleton. Yeah, Steve, good morning to you. Good morning, everyone. He certainly does. So he jumped on board quickly when they announced this uh, new concept, this new race, Harness Racing Australia, and John Singleton is a slot holder. So he's going to have his own race. Naturally, it's going to be called the Singo, and it's going to take place at Menangle coming up in a couple of weeks' time. I think it's August 19 for memory. So... Uh, he's going to uh, pick his horse for his slot out of that race. Not necessarily the winner. It may be the winner, but if there's something that catches his eye, he's happy to go with that. So that's how he's going to come up with his runner uh, for his slot in the world's richest harness race. So, yeah, that's uh, that's big news, breaking that he's selling up all of his uh, thoroughbred stock, but uh, he'll be involved as far as the inaugural running of the Tab Eureka is concerned. So... It's going to be interesting, mm. maybe a possibility. The Queenslander, Tim's a trooper who lives in the shadow of his more famed stablemate, Leap to Fame. He could be headed that way. So it'll be interesting to see how the cards fall. Given what Jerry Harvey says too, you know, he wants to be racing good horses all the time. He's going to be cashed up as a result of the sale. Of course, he is in any case before the sale. But does he get, um, you know, get the harness racing bug if he has some success, Chris? That's the... That could be good. Could be a shot in the arm for harness racing with a guy like him involved with, you know, plenty yeah, of absolutely. spare cash around. Absolutely. News coming through this morning. Just speaking of harness racing New South Wales, uh, they've announced that Yvonne Sampson, the, uh, the media identity, uh, largely known through her roles with the rugby league, is now part of the harness racing New South Wales board moving forward. So that's a step in the right direction. As we know, she's got a, uh, a very keen interest in uh, in the horse or the horses and the equestrian sort of side of things. So great to have uh, Yvonne Sampson now part of Harness Racing New South Wales and their board uh, as far as strategising moving forward. So there's an announcement that's uh, only just come through uh, earlier today. I'll tell you what I did enjoy, Chris, is watching some of that extended coverage as well of the carnival on the Sky Thoroughbred Network, the um, the um, 5.22, isn't it? The Sky Thoroughbred Central. And I saw yeah. an interview, Matt Hayden. Wasn't it good of him to turn up on that Hayden night as well? And he talked about one of his good mates who's related to you, isn't he? Trevor Parsby, very well-known cricketer. Yeah, he, he's an uncle of mine. So it was great to have them. And they, they competed uh, in a dual-seater sulky race on that night as well. So was Peter Matt Hayden was out there. Uh, his daughter Grace <laughs> was out there. And Trevor was out there. So... Uh, they used to open the, the batting for Queensland uh, many, many years ago. So they, they're great mates and have been for a long period of time. So it was great to see them uh, catching up. Uh, 
they've taken the middle a, a number of times, but I think that was uh, new ground for both of them there a couple of weeks ago. But you're right, the coverage throughout uh, the, the, the carnival has been outstanding. Ryan Phelan doing an outstanding job. And I'll tell you what, our man Jared Daffy, he was able to fit right in there and he looked very at ease doing the harness racing coverage. Uh, he, he's a great man, Jared. Uh, he covers all three codes of racing, but uh, I think he's got a real soft spot for harness racing. And uh, he he's, he got better as the carnival got longer. He was thriving on the atmosphere. And hopefully we'll get to see Jared behind the, the camera again during the Inter Dominion mm. later this year in December. He'll be hosting the first hour would be Friday as we lead into that big men's health day at the Gold Coast Turf Club doing the show from, from down there. Um, one other point I wanted to make, um, Chris... Just uh, read that coverage. Uh, just back to Matty Hayden. Of course, he's a very passionate fisherman. He's got a house. Well, he had a house at North Stradbroke Island for many, many years. And, you know, the cruise craft boat. But he was involved in a very nasty accident where he could have lost his life many years ago crossing the South Passage Bar. I don't know if you know it, Chris, but it's a, it can be a very dangerous bar. It can be very calm at times. But it's basically between the tip of Morton Island and the tip of North Stradbroke. And there's like a, a passage that goes through there. But it can get quite treacherous. And... Yeah, he had a very serious or scary incident when his boat capsized on that bar uh, many years ago. But our first guest is with us now, Chris. Ian Corazol is our first guest this morning, Steve. And uh, Ian has been around in racing for a long, long time. He puts plenty in, both, uh, you know, heart and soul sort of stuff, plus uh, financially. But he got a big reward there across the weekend with victory in the Group 1 Queensland Oaks. His filly talk like motion shot through along the inside and claimed the feature event. And she's a very good filly. She's a very well-bred filly as well. Ian joins us now. Ian, good morning. Morning, Chris. Thank you. Congratulations. A wonderful effort there to, uh, to claim that Group 1 feature. Where does that rank among some of your bigger wins now? Well, uh, it's been a long time between drinks. Uh, 2012 was when Talk in Motion won the Group 1 Ladyship in sydney and uh this this was the second group one you know to, all albeit 11 years later so uh, it, it ranks up there completely uh with with the talk in motion the other group one and uh but you know we've had other successes in group two and group three racing and uh along the way you know other little feature races here and there and uh well i I can't quite recall, but it's probably close enough to 40 years that I've been involved in harness racing, which is a long, long time. Yeah, it's a heck of a long time, no question about it. Was it extra special or extra satisfying on Saturday night with the victory with Talk Like Motion, given that she is a daughter of your ladyship, Mole, winner in Talk In Motion? Yeah, ab absolutely satisfying. You know, Talk In Motion, um, her, her career was cut short with, with, with injury. And then being having it to be patched up uh, the last year or so of her uh, racing career, but uh, you know the first five foals she's had were all fillies. They've all been winners, and between the five of them, they've won so far 41 races. So she's been outstanding as a broodmare, and uh, we we can't wait now. And I suppose the expectation is is probably real super great that she's now had two colts in a row. Um, an art major cult, which uh, Wayne Graham has got at the moment. And uh, just last year, a Mr. Feelgood. We went back to Mr. Feelgood. That was the first filly she had was by, by Mr. Feelgood. So we went back there again. But uh, she's done an outstanding job. I mean, you know, every, every foal she's had so far have been winners. And 
you know, um, she's just outstanding. She she still holds a, a really special place in, in, in our in our hearts. You know, I, I think you might remember back then when she won the ladyship or after she'd won the, the Robin Dundee two weeks earlier, I rang all of my children and said, right, in two weeks' time, we're all going to Sydney to watch her in the ladyship mile. And so 18 of our family went down. All the young kids, and they were young kids at, at that time, they all had their face painted in, uh, in, in Vicky Rasmussen's colours, the purple and gold. And uh, we, wore, we wore shirts with uh, purple and gold uh, colours on them and hats in purple and gold and it was just fantastic and it, it was to cap it off with with a win in the ladyship was just extra extra special it'll be one of the most amazing highlights of my life forever um, and that, that's awesome was great yeah that's absolutely awesome now yeah. just on that then with saturday mm. night the group one queensland oaks you weren't trackside no <laughs> Look, I'm, I'm 73 now, and it's, uh, you know, that it takes its toll as well. But, uh, look, I, I, occasionally I uh, I still go to the, the, the trots occasionally. Um, but uh, I think I'm a bit of a Jonah sometimes when I go to the races. I mean, I know I'm a Jonah when other my friends of mine ring and say, how will this, how will this horse go tonight? And, I, and I'll, I'll say, look, I think it can win, and it'll, it runs second or third or whatever. So I, I, I said to Wayne, I think I'm a bit of a Jonah, and uh, you know, I, I, I didn't go, but I, I watched, of course, and and you know, one of the special things that I actually I knew that they were there, but uh, firstly, it's it's an absolute privilege of mine to be connected with Wayne and Shane Graham and the Graham fam family generally. You know, we've had such a wonderful relationship and success over, over a lot of years. But, you know, talking about my family before, a couple of Shane's biggest fans are his, his niece and nephew who are over in Western Australia. And they, were, they happened to be over. And they were at the trots. And uh, not many people would know this, but um, Talk Like Motion, is, her nickname is Muffy. And Muffy is also the nickname of Shane's niece, Kelsey from, from WA. Mm. And... Uh, Kelsey and Aiden, also known as Ada, they were there trackside. They are Shane's biggest fans, and it was just truly special. They will never forget that night. He just adores them. Um, I was talking to Wayne about this, and uh, you know, for them to be there, and they were part of the presentation ceremony, and uh, you know, a three and a, I think five-year-old niece and nephew to be there. You know, they they watch in Perth. They watch you on the TV and go, "Go, Uncle Shane! Go, Uncle Shane!" It's uh, that that's that's really satisfying, you know. Um, so that that's another another uh, highlight, I'm sure, for Shane to have his his treasured little uh, niece and nephew there trackside when when he won, and that was a great yeah. drive. Yeah, no doubt about that. I'll I'll talk about the race in itself in just a moment, but just as a sideline. Young Aiden went back to school on Monday or Tuesday, oh, yeah. uh, and just to prove what sort of impact this weekend had on him, he's got the yeah. leap to fame cap on. He's got the flag that they were handing out there on Saturday night. Proud as punch. Yeah. <laughs> They're quite the characters, those two, uh, apparently. And uh, yeah, no, 
super specials and, and I'm sure some will, you know, who knows, one day along the line they may both be involved in harness racing as well. Yeah. Now let's talk about the race itself. Now this filly is a good filly. She always showed something from the very beginning. She's now got a record of six wins from 19 starts, close to $140,000 in stakes. Has yeah. this season just been a little uh, frustrating at, at certain points for you guys? Yeah, look, she um, she hasn't had a lot of luck with barrier draws. Um, and, and firstly, in, in a couple of the races recently, I, I spoke to Wayne about it. I said, Wayne, I, I can't believe the odds that they've got this filly at. She's just, she's better than that. And I know when the draw came out for the Oaks the other day, I rang Wayne and said, I think it's a good barrier draw. It, it, it is a good barrier draw because uh, she won't have to be up front trying to trying to lead and do some work. I mean, she ran uh, third to that uh, the Derby winner in a, in a race only a week ago. Mm. There was nothing wrong with her form, and she just needed a bit more luck in running. And uh, I know that when uh, when Shane went to the fence, and originally it was three fence, I said that's a very good spot. And even I wasn't worried even when uh, when another one came around and, and Peaceful came around and, and she was four fence because you know from years of calling races, three and four fence sometimes, well, a lot of times, always figure in the finish. Mm. And I was uh, I was very happy with her spot. And coming up to before the home turn when uh, when, when the other couple of others started to drop off and a bit of a gaps appeared and I said, look. She'll be right in this finish, but I must say she astounded me with her finishing burst, and it was just exhilarating. Yeah, yeah, she showed some real dash. Uh, she yeah. was just bolting coming to the home turn, and once that yeah. gap appeared, she was able to uh, muster quickly, and it was never really in doubt. And, and, and I think, in fact, she was pulling clear at the line. Yeah, she really just went away from him in that last little bit, and, uh, you know, it was a very good class field, and... Uh, well, that's our first Oaks because her mother talk in, talk, talk in motion. She ran second consecutively in four Oaks in Australia. Mm. She started off up here, I think it was Redcliffe Oaks, Gold Coast Oaks, uh, the Queensland Oaks, and then she went to Melbourne and ran second behind that very good filly to Lovely in the Australasian Oaks. So she, in four, four subsequent runs, she ran second in four Oaks in Australia. So... You know, I, I think I was due, to be honest, um, yeah. and uh, it was it was fantastic. Yep, absolutely. And Queensland was due. I think that was the first Queensland Oaks winner locally prepared since 2011. I think Forever Gold was the last one to win the yeah, Oaks yeah. locally. So Queensland yeah, back on the board. That, uh, that, you know, that that's great for Queensland breeding um, generally because... Uh, yeah. You know, you know, uh, a lot of people do know. We we breed some very very good horses here. We hold our own around Australia and you know within Australia and New Zealand. And so yeah, that was that was absolutely great too for Queensland breeding. Um, All right. And, and well, I must say, you know, yeah. I, I, I might have shared. I can't remember if I've shared this with you a few years ago, but um, her first fold, just a little talk when she sort of started coming good after the age of three. I had this uh, this dream, and of course you've got to have dreams in, in anything you do. I had this dream that uh, I would have a, a ladyship mile winner out of talk in motion. And we took just a little talk down there and uh, didn't make the uh, 
the ladyship final, but she, she won a race in really good time down at Menangle and, and competed well in a couple of others. So now with, uh, with talk like motion, um, the dream is still alive, I've got to tell you. Mm. Well, she's got another big target coming up next month. So she's already won the, the Breeders' Classic. She's now yeah. won the Queensland Oaks. The triad yeah. comes up next month. So can she do the, uh, the big triple classic? Well, you know, we haven't even spoken about that. I mean, uh, um, I, I couldn't get hold of Wayne yesterday to see how the filly had pulled up, but uh, I'm sure we'll touch base in the next uh, next day or today sometime. Look, there's no reason she can't. Um, I, I don't know what else is eligible, but just like every other race, it's going to be competitive and uh, nothing's ever assured, as you know, in racing. But she'll be there. And uh, if she, you know, all being well, if she draws okay and, and gets a, a suitable run, I'm sure what she showed on Saturday night, you know, will give her a very good chance in the race. Hey, I've got to, I've got to mention um, the name Talk Like Motion. Um, Shane rang me after he educated her one day and said, Ian, this filly is very, very nice. You've got to give her a good name. And I said, mate, I, I, I do myself inside out trying to, to think of names. Why don't you come up with a name for her? And he did. And that's Talk Like Motion. So, you know, it's a, it's, it's a great association with the Grahams. And there you go. Shane, Shane found the name for this lovely filly. Yeah, great stuff. What, what is the story behind all your horses having that Talk uh, prefix? Well, you know, in business, um, we have, uh, I have sales reps out traveling for us and uh, for years and years I had a very good relationship in buying cars from Talk Ford at Redcliffe. I, I got very pally with the uh, sales manager of Fleet Cars and so on and uh, anyway uh, one day he rang me and said uh, oh I've just become a part owner of, of a couple of paces and I said mate you should have rung me I, I, I would have been interested. So he said, oh, I'll ring the other blokes and, and, and you know, see if that's possible. So he rang me back the next day and said, look, they're happy to have you in. And that was uh, a horse called Tricky Purple and Southside Sam, which we bought from uh, from uh, uh, John, John uh, oh, God, lost his name now. John, John McMillan Senior. John McMillan Senior. Oh, okay. I bought them from a, a sale from him. And uh, so we raced them. Um, Tricky Purple had modest success and I kept her as a broodmare later on. She bred a, a couple of nice horses. Anyway, uh, I started calling them Talk. And uh, he, this fellow, by the way, he, he, he stayed in the, the horse ownership for about six months. He thought that was a, it was a, a ticket to make money. And when, when it started costing a bit of money to train them, he pulled out. And uh, anyway, I, I kept in touch with him you know, through the cars and everything for years. And one day he came to me and said, why do you call all of your horses talk? And I said, well, mate, it's all your fault that I'm involved in horses. So I'm never going to let you forget it. So every time you see one there, you'll know that you're the cause of me you know, being involved in horses. <laughs> uh, I've got to ask the question. Yeah. Um, I'm hoping Cheryl, your wife, is not nearby but how many horses would you have on the books oh chris i can't tell you that <laughs> <laughs> you 
It's not that I don't know, but uh, you're right. I hope Cheryl's not listening because uh, in company, other people ask me the same question and uh, I know that she's <laughs> a, a foot away from me and I say, look, you ever heard that uh, you never ask a cattle farmer how many, how many cattle he runs? I said, well, it's the same with me. He said, uh, I said, you never ask a, a person how many horses he owns. Look, it's a few. You know, I breed about uh, probably about eight or nine every year. We've got four mares down at Shepparton at Benstud. And I've got about five or so up at, uh, at Egmont. And uh, so I breed about eight or nine. Sometimes one mare doesn't go in foal, but uh, in the harness. So, uh, and I only, I only race the ones that I breed. So that's even more satisfaction, you know, that that this uh, this horse has been bred here and looked after in Egg, at Egmont Park and raised up there, and uh, you know it's it's very satisfying to have to have bred some nice horses and horses that win races and and, uh, and do so well. You're also venturing into the thoroughbred ownership too. Have you got a few with Stewie Kendrick? Yeah, 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 yeah. Got a few with Stewie, um, and that. Uh, that that sort of came by chance, you know. At the time, I, I was interested in taking some shares in a, a couple of horses that um, another trainer was looking at at the Magic Million sale, and uh, we got one. And then the second one was passed in. So it was not passed in; it was sold to Stuart Kendrick. So I looked up who bought it and uh, found his number and rang him and said, "Is there anything left in that horse you've just bought?" He, he said, "Yes," and so I. I took a share in that and uh, yeah, I've got a share with a number of others with Stuart and uh, you know, we have a good good relationship. I you know, often catch up with him and uh, I speak to him nearly every second day. So yeah, that's, that's, that's been good. And then I've got a couple with another, another trainer, Matt Dunn as well, so. Okay. Well, there you go, there you go. So they're, they're everywhere, the horses with the talk name. Well, not all of them are called talk because, you know, I'm only a partner or shareholder in, in some of the thoroughbreds and uh, what they do is they ask all of the owners to put forward their names and I always put forward my names with talk in them. And if uh, that, the ownership group votes on the names and if they like my name and it happens that they have liked my name with a number of them, then some of the thoroughbreds race with, with talk and uh, some of them race in, in my purple and gold uh, treble cleft colours, uh, others not. But, uh, you know, that's all part of racing. Everyone's, everyone's contributing to, uh, to racing the horse, so they, they all have to have their, uh, their input. And uh, anyway, it's, it's good. I mean, I, this is a hobby for me, and in my later years of life, you know, um, maybe the kids won't be getting as much inheritance as they might have thought. I hope they're not listening. <laughs> yeah. Now, guess what? We've enjoyed the talk. Are you ready to, to get fired up? We're, we're going to go out with this this morning, but thanks for your time, Ian. Good on you. Appreciate it. Thanks for the Jackie for Gell's going for home here in the Queensland Oaks. 27-8, and it's peaceful racing clear. Peaceful out in front. The margin is six metres. Madrigal, the local, she's running a bottler in second. No dramas is about to shake loose, then talk like motion. They're into the home straight. Peaceful now all out, leading the way. Madrigal to the outside. Going to the inside. No dramas, then talk like motion. Peaceful in front. Madrigal, talk like motion. Flying, it's a local victory. Shane Graham. Talk like motion.
Quick story with Ian Corazol this morning, Chris. He's got horses everywhere, Steve. So uh, Wayne and Shane Graham obviously prepare a lot of horses. Jack Butler's got a lot of horses. Uh, I think Peter Manning down in Victoria has a lot of horses as well. There's a number of trainers that have horses for Ian, but uh, he's one of the good guys, no doubt about it, a real gentleman. So great to see him get that Group 1 victory there on Saturday night. Chris, when I first started on radio and I went for the interview... There was another bloke sitting next to me going for the same job. This is at 4BC back in about 89. And that guy's name was Justin Vivas. We ended up being very good friends. But at the time, we hated each other's guts because we, he, was, he was looking at me going, I hope you don't get the job. And I was looking at him saying, I hope you don't get the job because one of us is going to miss out. But Ryan Vivas, I think, is related to Justin somewhere along the line. How are you, Ryan? Yeah, good, mate. How are you? Good. Is Stan and Justin in the family there somewhere? Yeah, yeah. Stan's um, Stan is uh, Granddad's brother. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that'd make. Um, yeah, Justin's obviously his son. So yeah, um, I haven't had a lot to do with Justin in the last few years, but yeah, I remember him being on TV when I was growing up, and um, yeah, I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, it's an interesting story. Justin read the news. Of course, he left the station and ended up taking the job as a sports presenter on Sunshine TV up at the Sunshine Coast. But the job that he filled at that time, the previous host of that was Brendan Parnell, who ended up working for the Sky Network, executive, the chief executive of Racing Queensland. So Brendan left Sunshine TV to go into racing and Justin stepped into his role at the time. So it's very interesting. But you're here to talk about horses. Santa breads with Ryan, uh, Chris. Yes, indeed, Steve. So uh, Ryan was in the winner's circle yesterday. I'm a Birrabee boy. Um, I'm sure Ryan would get a lot of satisfaction out of this horse. How many races, Ryan, have you won with him now? Um, I think 16, yeah. Wow. Is he just bomb-proof, this horse? Is he just one of those horses you go down to the stable each morning and he just, you know, does the same thing and you put him through the motions and he just gives his all every time he steps out? Yeah, pretty much. He's pretty straightforward, Chris. He's, um, he's probably the most gentle you know kind old horse that i've ever had um you know we when we get him out we um we let alicia you know take the lead and and go and give him a pick of grass and stuff every morning and um you know she's probably her favorite horse so that's kind of what's kept him around lately because he's he's slowed down a bit the last few months but um yeah he's just like a pet to her so you know he can he can sort of stay as long as he wants to Okay, that explains why uh, she was out for the photo with you and uh, Danielle yesterday. Then, yeah, yeah, uh, she she loves him. Every time she sees him, she you know she wants to give him a pat and a kiss and everything. So, that's uh, it's really cool. Yeah, no doubt. So, have you had one win more races for you than I'm a Birrabee boy? Um, yeah, I'm a top tycoon. I think he won uh, 19 or 20 or something for us. Um, yeah, he was. What a similar horse too, really. He was, yeah, he was probably he was a bit better, but um, yeah, he was just one of those horses that just he was never any never any trouble with him. You, you always knew what you were going to get with him, so yeah, you know, they're the they're the ones you sort of like having around. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. He might get that record though. Yeah, he might. He might. He's probably. I think he's found his. You know, he's, it sort of took him a couple of months to you know, to drop back to where he's sort of competitive again. But, um, you know, he might have found his home in that 30 to 40 grade again and, um, you know, might give him a bit more of a kick on for, for a bit longer. 
All right. Well, speaking of horses that have been very good for you over a period of time, you've got three of them stepping out tonight. You've got six horses going to the track. Geldof, Altana Blue, Artistic Saint. They've all got double-figure wins for you uh, under your care. So they've they've been really good for the stable also. Yeah, yeah, they have. Um, you know, Artistic Saint and Altana Blue are owned by the same um, same guys as Burby Boy. And, you know, they're just... The owners are just as much fun to have as the as the horses, but they, you know, whether they win, lose, or win, lose, or draw, they're happy and you know, they're they're great people to deal with. And then um, Geldof, well, he's you know, no one really gets along with Geldof, but he tends to go to the races and and go good. So he sort of yeah, he's stuck around for a while too. Right. Well, just on the Murrays, that race, I'm a Birribee boy plus artistic saint. Do they still turn up in in, in shirts to to represent their horse? Yep. Yeah, they they got the shirts. <laughs> they um, when Altana Blue had his 300 start uh, a couple months ago, yeah. they got um, they got hats made up and yeah, they were all wearing the hats around and everything. So, you know, it's it's good fun. I mean, they they're not worried that they're you know they're not none of them are superstars, but um, you know they just like turning up and watching the horses race and yeah they get they get a good kick out of it so yeah they do it for the right reasons just to have a little bit of fun and uh just to, to chill out i guess so we wish them the best of luck just going through them Geldof tonight race one number one this is the right draw for him isn't it yeah it is yeah um his last couple starts actually haven't been that bad like he ran second at albion park there a few starts ago um and was pretty good um he raced at Marburg and got parked. Um and then he raced again at Albion Park and he his own mile was like in the low fifty fours. So, you know, he's actually not going as bad as his form sort of looks. So I think um if he can hold up tonight and sort of roll along a bit, I think he'll be right there. Okay, good push there for Gildoff. What about Altana Blue? He's got the opposite end of the draw, uh gate nine outside of the second row. Yeah, he's probably going to struggle. I think, um, you know, just sort of he's got to be up the front, but he's going to have to get to, you know, do too much work to get there. So, um, yeah, he might be up against it a bit tonight. All right. What about Artistic Saint? Talk about the full gamut of draws here. Now you've got the outside of the front row with Artistic Saint, but that mightn't be a bad thing. No, no. He, um, I didn't think he was actually too bad even last week. Like, it's not really his go sitting park. Um, yeah, sitting park like he had to last week, but um, you know, hopefully, if there's a bit of speed on, like he'll be there somewhere. Is yeah, like I say, his form's not as bad as it reads either. Okay, what about I'm Boo in race four, drawn gate four? Is he proving a little frustrating, or are you happy with his progress? Yeah, no, he's he's a little bit frustrating. Um, yeah, I'm all, I'm almost starting to think he um, would go better in the death, which is probably where he's going to be tonight. Um, you know, he seems to get to the front all right, but then he seems to switch off a bit and, you know, not really want to not really want to finish off. So, um, yeah, it might just sort of suit him having a horse to chase a little bit tonight. Um, that's what I'm hoping anyway. But, yeah, I think, I think he'll be all right in the end, but um, we've just got to figure him out a bit. Right. I'm keen to ask you about this next horse. He was a winner last week, Chocolate Norman. It was an action-packed race. There was all sorts of action in that race, and he was almost last man standing. But he's getting better, so it's almost like you're winning the battle. He wears a heap of gear, this horse. So 
how do you sort of assess him? Yeah, he's um, he's he's a bit of a funny one. He's like I think you know maybe this time next year he's he's going to be all right. He tries hard and everything, but um, he just gets the speed wobbles up a bit, and you know that's why he wears all the gear just to keep him keep him balanced and keep him straight. But um, he is he's gradually got better and better, you know, the longer we've had him. And um, yeah, I, I don't think he's finished yet. Like, you know, I even think maybe the 2000 meters tonight will, um, might help him a little bit too, just because he hasn't got that high speed. Um, you know, if, if he's able to lead, um, yeah, I think, you know, he'll probably take a bit of confidence out of that win last week. And um, yeah, I think he'll be all right. Have you had one wear more gear than this guy? No, I don't think so. I had I had one called Falcon Abbey years ago that wore um, pretty similar. He's a pretty similar horse, but um, yeah, it takes a bit to gear him up. You can always tell which one's which one his gear bag is when you get it out of the float because it weighs twice <laughs> as much as the others. Uh, well, we wish him the best of luck again tonight, Chocolate Norman. And your other runner tonight is Priority Betting. He's got a bad draw. He's ODM. So is he up against it from out there? Yeah, he is a little bit. Um, I thought he, I thought he probably, you know, should have finished closer last week, um, but he got sort of knocked over, and um, yeah, it's sort of hard to tell whether he was going to be in the finish or not. But um, I think we're starting to get somewhere with him too. But yeah, the draw just makes it tough. Like he's, you know, he needs to be right there with him and doing no work to get there, sort of thing. But um, you know, I can't imagine that's going to happen tonight. So we'll just have to wait and see what happens. All right, so if we were to circle one, would it be Geldof because of his good draw tonight? Yeah, I'd probably say Geldof. Oh, no. So how many are you working right now? Um, about uh, 18 racehorses, and uh, I think there's eight eight babies between, like, yearlings and weanlings and stuff. So you're busy, no doubt. Girl from Rosedale, I've got to ask about her. Is she a little frustrating for you at the moment? Yeah, a little frustrating is probably an understatement. Um, she, uh, I ended up just turning her out in the paddock. Um, yeah, I just, you know, she was doing my head in there, you know, just making breaks out of the gate for no real reason, and we couldn't couldn't really work out why she was doing it or what was going wrong. So, um, you know, we figured maybe she's just getting a bit tired and a bit over, over everything. She really hasn't had a spell. Um since she started racing, so I'm just going to give her a few, you know, a few good months out, and then um, just aim at next year, I think. Yeah, but she's fast though, isn't she? She's got that amazing gate speed. Oh yeah, she's you know when, when she's on a game like Danielle sort of said, you know, she doesn't think she's ever driven one faster than faster than her for a piece. So you know, hopefully with a bit of time off and a bit of maturity, um, you know, bringing her back next year, she. You know, she should do some damage in those in those mares races, I think. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. And just one quick one before I let you go this morning. Maresco, she raced well. Speaking of mares, she's not getting any younger. It, would this be her final season? Uh, I think so. She Last year was supposed to be her, her last year. And then, um, yeah, they, you know, Martin sort of decided to keep going with her. Um, you know, she's still doing a good job. But, yeah, she probably, you know, she's probably ready to go to the the breeding barn, but um, she's drawn one again on Friday night, and I think she's, mm. you know, probably a, a decent chance on last week as done yesterday. So, yeah, I'm pretty 
pretty confident with her too. All right. Well, fingers crossed there's a few winners coming up in the next couple of days. You got one yesterday. Hopefully that good form continues. As always, Ryan, really appreciate the time and we'll see you trackside. No, thanks for having me, Chris. Easy. There's Ryan Vivas. So along with his wife, Danielle, they've got a couple of uh, handy horses doing the job. So it'll be interesting to see if Darren Clayton gives any of Ryan's horses a chance tonight. And he joins us now, Darren. Darren, good morning. Morning, Chris. How are you today? I'm really well. Do you like any of Ryan's horses tonight? Yeah, I, th I thought um, he had a few good chances there tonight. Um, I think Geldof, um, probably if if he can burrow through the 2040, should be ideal for him. And um, I did actually think that that might just set it up for, for uh, the Maharani on his back. But um, that said, I, th I think he's got a good book tonight. Um, I haven't penciled any of his on top as on top selections, but it wouldn't surprise me to see him walk away with a few winners. Darren, just before Chris gets you to elaborate on some of your selections, just with Leap to Fame with that flat tyre the other night, what's your opinion, you know, dragging that rim the last couple of hundred metres, how much of an effect or how much closer would he have got in your opinion? Well, I, don't, I think the, one of the main things you've got to look at, Steve, is not only the effect and the, and the drag back it has, but the effect that it had in, in Grant being able to actually sit in the bike properly and actually drive him out. Um, he's leaning to one side trying to keep the weight yeah, off that wheel. the leg came wheel. down too, didn't it? The leg. His yeah, right because leg. because his balance is gone. He's lost all his balance. He's only just rain driving it with one arm. Um, more than anything, he was just trying to stay in the seat, I think, than, um, and, and do the best that he could under the circumstances. Um, yeah, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say if it doesn't happen, he wins the race. Chris, what do you think? Yeah, well, just the way he made that ground going down the back straight, when Grant asked him for an effort, he made up really good ground on Swayze. So he, he got there really uh, quickly. So it's just one of those things. And I, I suppose we just will never know. But just the way he made that ground, I think he would have gone pretty close. Yeah, I, I think so. I th think he was eating into the margin, and um, sometimes when Grant gets the position out of the outside the lead, or even in the lead, um, he's a he's a very good driver from there. In that, you never really see what he's got left in his horse. In that, he might have a heap of horse left, but he hasn't really gone for it. And then as soon as a horse gets outside of him, away he goes. Um, whereas some drivers will actually try to put the race away. I think he was just moving up, ambling up close to him, and I think once he was ready to go, I, I think he would have um, certainly put it to him. Like you say, Chris, it's one of those things. How long's a piece yeah. of string? Yeah. The, the other thing that stands out, and I've watched the replay a number of times, just with that incident, he's such a determined horse. Like He, he wants to win, whether it's a trial, a bit of track work, or a race. Most horses, given that, probably would have just almost folded up, really. But that wasn't going to stop him. And you could just sort of sense the determination that he, he wanted to sort of reel in that horse and go past him. So that's a great quality. And that, that's what's making him to be this uh, potential star that we think he is. So that was one thing that stood out for me. He, he wants to win every time he goes around. And it was even obvious there with that, uh, that wheel malfunction on Saturday night. So... We'll talk about that uh, in more more cases, I suppose, over the next couple of weeks as he builds towards the Eureka. I want to talk about a number of other things, but just going back to Reckliff tonight. So we've got nine races. We start at 5.22. What's your best bet? 
Yeah, I think in race number five, horse number four, English Dance. Um, he'll be fitter from one run back from a break. That was where he was three metres away from Mac Talk. A little bit of a tricky gait, but I think he finds the right type of race here up to the 2040. He's only had one previous sort of trip over that. He went over the Albion Park 2100, but um, quite a few of these might be found out by it as well. And I think that looks his race second up here, race five, horse four, English Dance. All right, 250 with Tab right now. Was there anything else on that card? Yeah, just, um, you know, maidens are always tough races. and um, But I, I like the chances here of race nine, horse one, Tuffy. Um, he's he's a 44-start maiden, so um, there's probably a reason for that. But his last few runs, not been helped by the fact he's had a second-line gait. And in maiden company, you've either got to be a mile better than them or... Um, you know, you're just with the pack and his last seven have all been from the second line. He's got gate speed, gets back to gate one. Shuby Wright, who's the favourite out in gate six, can do plenty wrong and last week we saw him go back from gate six so um, I just thought Tuffy might be a, a little bit of a value play there in the last and um, I'm, I'm prepared to have a go at him. Race nine, horse one, Tuffy. All right, he's currently 6.50. As far as the quaddie is concerned, we can go one out with English Danson in race five, that first leg. You've marked him as the best bet. How do we uh, play out the rest of the quaddie? Yeah, well, I think the second leg uh, is a race in two. Again, another 2040 race. The casual goose, I thought he could find the front here. Um, I thought he could get across Chocolate Norman. Um, there's a fair step up for Chocolate Norman in this race in that uh, he only broke his maiden last start and there's plenty of experienced horses in this race. So the casual goose gets to the front. He'll be hard to beat. The other main danger is Freya. She just got too fired up last week. She was first up from a spell and, and got uh, got pulling and that was the end of her. So two and five, the second leg. The third leg, I think you can go one out here with long time coming. He's been getting towards a victory. He looks to have found every opportunity here and um, can't see why he shouldn't just be winning this race. Seven, the third leg, three only. And the final leg, again, um, I thought Valani Magic was a good op uh, good chance here. She gets back into this 30 to 40 grade where she was a winner, three runs back. Um, gate six, no, no favours, that's for sure, but she can press forward. Number nine, for no reason, should be finishing off nicely at some point. And throw in number five, old circle line. Um, he'll just keep whacking away all the way to the line. If it's a battle of attrition, he'll still be there. So five, six, nine. Okay, so your quaddy numbers tonight, four into two and five, into three, into five, six, nine. Grand total of $6 for tonight's quaddy. Yeah, a bit of a... Bit of a um tricky night there at Redcliffe in some of those earlier races, but I think the quaddy looks reasonably straightforward. Okay, well that's Redcliffe tonight. Action starts at 5.22. Now I'm keen to get your thoughts just on the carnival overall. First and foremost, uh, how do you think the 2023 Constellations played out? Yeah, well, I think it went really well, Chris, and um, I heard you the other day um, mention the stats of how many local winners we had in the feature races, I think that was really pleasing to actually see, you know, um, not only sort of some of that money stay locally, but um, the fact that the horses here are really stepping up and, um, you know, the trainers, owners, drivers here in Queensland, um, sometimes we get... Uh, Probably not given the respect we deserve, but I think um, the last couple of years that's certainly starting to change. Um, 
even to the fact that perhaps, you know, it's um, putting off some people making the trip because our horses are getting so much stronger. Yep, no doubt about that. Uh, Saturday night, Swayze, he was the winner of the Blacks of Fake. They're now sort of talking about the New Zealand Cup. Is he good enough to win a New Zealand Cup? I guess it all depends on, on how, what sort of trajectory he goes from, from here, Chris. Um, you know, it's no, um, the fact that six starts ago he couldn't lift his legs up at Redcliffe and now he's won six in a row and a, and a Blacks are fake championship. Um, you know, it's been a pretty rapid rise. Um, I guess if they can keep him where he's at at the moment because where he is at there right now is um, he's in probably what you'd, you'd term beast mode he's run 54 his last 800 out in front at the end of a 2600 metre race and um, you know I guess if anything if anyone probably had their time over again in that race and um, it was the fact that the he got the lead very easily and very quickly um, mm. and from there it's sort of you know, would perhaps maybe a few more, maybe a few more moves made just to sort of get up, have a bit of a look, take it, take cover, and then sort of a, another runner come. But you know, all credit to them; they were able to to do it. Um, whether he can go to a New Zealand Cup and be a standing start horse, well, um, I guess we'll find out. Because if he goes this year, is it, if the, if they go this year, that'll be interesting because then we've got the Inter Dominion um, here in Queensland, but. Not sure is he a horse that would handle, um, you know, four runs in a fortnight. So I guess he got that to factor in as well. But we've got that all ahead of us, I guess. Mm. Do you think if they ever clashed again, Swayze leap to fame? Would Swayze get anywhere near him? I guess it, it would again. It, it get a bit barrier draw dependent. Um, yeah, I'm not sure. Would have been interesting to see, you know, and you're, all, it's, you're talking what if scenarios that, um, you know, may or may not happen. So if Leap to if Grant, rather than coming around and getting outside him, even though he didn't sort of eyeball him, you know, would we have seen a different result if he actually got up and eyeballed him? Or would we have seen a different result if he just had a sat back and come with one run like we saw him win the Sunshine Sprint? But, um, yeah, they're all what ifs. I think the way Leap to Fame's going and the way what we've seen of him in his career to date, I've got no doubt if they clashed again, he would beat him. Mm. Is Leap to Fame clearly the horse to beat in the Eureka, given that Catchaway was beaten also on the weekend? Yeah, that was a tricky one. I know Catchaway was first up, and um, you know, the, but I thought the trip he had, he was entitled to win that race. Um, you know, the, the fact that. He's run 26 and, and, and change home the closing quarter and got nabbed up the passing lane. I think that maybe is a little bit of a concern, um, especially when we know he's going to the Eureka, which is uh, 2,400, which is more right in the, in the wheelhouse of Leap to Fame than it is of Catch a Wave. So I think at this point in time, I'll be more than happy to... Um, Get on board with Larry. Yep. Okay. Uh, what was the the biggest highlight for Darren Clayton during the constellation? Just in closing this morning. Um. Oh, I'm going to say that Derby race, Chris. Um, we've seen some very nice horses win the Queensland Derby. Um. Not knowing, 
you know, I don't know how deep that race was, but I've never seen a horse put them away the way he did for a Group 1 race, um, other than um, Leap to Fame did in the Rising Sun. Like, what he did in that Rising Sun, the way he put them away, um, that was that would be probably a very close second. Um, I think Leap to Fame well and truly had their measure in that Rising Sun, as did the Lost Storm in that Queensland derby. But um, he, was, he was brilliant out in front and, um, you know, nothing was even in the same postcode as him. And um, he's a very nice horse. Yep, no doubt about it. We've got plenty of stars out of this year's carnival, so it's going to be interesting to see how it all plays out in the future. Time will tell. Hey, Darren, appreciate the time today. We'll chat again on Friday morning uh, when we do all the form for Ellaby and Park Saturday night. Yeah, looking forward to that, Chris. 